Thank you. Oh, you're doing that. Do you want me to do it? I don't. Thank you for. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us on Making Sense, a Dell One Federal Credit Union podcast. Where we talk about what's going on in your community, share stories, and drum up excitement around our promotions. Why is Jordan shutting his mouth? (laughs) Do the introduction for us. Great. So, <laughs> thank you, Todd, for being here today. Um, we're excited to have you. Um, myself, Horatio, here, and we have Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Well, thanks for having me, folks. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself. You're the director of mortgage lending here at Dell One Federal Credit Union, and uh, how long have you been here? Well, August 3rd, I'll be here 10 years. I actually started out as a loan officer here and became the director of mortgage lending in 2014. So prior to that, I've been in this business probably since 85. So I've done it for a little while. Just a little while. (laughs) That was before I was born, everyone. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So you come with a wealth of knowledge, Todd. And for that, we're excited to have you here on the podcast to hopefully share some information about the mortgage market to help educate us and our membership. Okay. So with that, I think to begin... Go over some basic uh, mortgage terminology. Certainly. Pop quiz. What is (laughs) equity? (laughs) (laughs) It's actually a good question. I get that a lot. Equity is literally the difference between what the home is worth and what you owe. So if the home is worth $100,000 and you owe $80,000, you have $20,000 worth of equity. It's your ownership portion of that asset. So if you hear a lender say your loan to value is 80%, that literally means the amount of your loan versus the value of your home represents 80%. So the loan represents 80% of the value. That difference is your equity. So then in going into that, you mentioned LTV, your loan to value. Touch on a little bit about how that also dictates whether you're charged PMI then. Because it all depends on the amount of equity you have in the home when you finance it? Correct. PMI is private mortgage insurance. And that's what most lenders require when you have less than 20% equity. It's literally insurance that you get approved for by the lender. And that you pay for each month in your mortgage payment to insure the lender in case you default. So if you stop making your mortgage payments and the lender has to repossess your home or foreclose, as we call it, then the lender gets paid back a portion of the money they lent to you. So it offsets their risk. So the less equity you have, meaning the higher your loan to value, the higher the risk of the loan. The reason for that is if you stop making your payments and you're at a very high loan to value, so say you only have 5% equity, less than 95% loan to value. If the lender has to foreclose on you, they'll get paid back a little bit of the money that they lent you, but by the time they foreclose, pay all the court costs, legal fees, factor in that you're not paying them any mortgage payments, so there's no interest coming in. By the time they sell your home, more than likely they will do so at a loss. So PMI is to offset any loss in the case of foreclosure. Uh, quick question. So when you have PMI and then you're paying on your loan, 
uh, when you get to, um, you know, the less than 80%, mm-hmm. um, are you still going to be paying PMI or should you refinance? Very good couple of questions. With PMI or private mortgage insurance, by regulation, when your loan to value on a conventional mortgage, when your loan to value reaches 78%, the lender must drop that PMI, but only if you're current on your mortgage. If you're currently delinquent, they don't have to drop it until such time as you become current. But that's on a conventional mortgage. On an FHA loan, which is a government-insured loan, if you have PMI, which under FHA is called MIP, means the same thing, but it's mortgage insurance premium, it never goes away. So if you owe 10000 and the home is worth 30000 or excuse me, 300000 and you still have that original FHA loan, you will still be paying the insurance. So that's, that's good to know. I didn't know about that. And a reason, I guess, for someone to be encouraged to consider refinance options kind of when they get to that point of an FHA loan. Right. If they get to, bear in mind, anybody can refinance anytime they want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether the house is appreciated to gain them extra equity combined with making their payments on time or the simple fact that they're paying down their loan, even if their uh, the value of that asset has remained constant, they can refinance into a conventional loan or maybe what we call a portfolio loan that doesn't require a PMI and no longer have to pay that FHA premium. So as long as it makes sense, you know, whether they're cutting the term of the loan, lowering the interest rate, et cetera, they could still get rid of that prior to reaching uh, the 78% on a conventional loan, or in the case of an FHA loan, just getting rid of it altogether. So next uh, question on the pop quiz, we have the APR and we, we hear that often, the annual percentage rate, but then we also hear interest rate. Mm-hmm. So what are the two and how do they differ? The interest rate is the cost that you pay for borrowing that money. So the interest rate is what the lender uses to calculate your monthly principal and interest payment. But when you get a mortgage, you typically pay settlement costs. Some of those settlement costs are factored into a formula that we use to calculate what's called the annual percentage rate. So what we do is we take the interest rate you're paying on that loan plus certain fees like points if you're paying them or a mortgage broker fee, things of that nature. We use the formula to calculate the annual percentage rate, which in essence is the effective cost to you, the effective rate or the true cost of credit. So if we look at the interest rate versus the APR, the APR is typically higher because it takes into account those fees. So in theory, if you had a zero closing cost loan, the APR, excuse me, the interest rate and the APR would be the same. Make sense? The more fees that you pay, the higher that APR because the cost of getting that loan goes up with every fee you have to pay. So it's really the way you would shop a lender versus lender. So if you came to Dell One and your interest rate was three and a half percent fixed on a 30 year loan and your annual percentage rate was 3.55 and you went to another lender and said, Dell one's given me a 30 year fixed rate loan at three and a half percent. If you can give me the same terms, what's your APR? If that lender said 3.7, 
then in essence, you're paying them more fees to get the same loan that you're getting from Dell One. And that's how you shop mortgages. Sounds easy. <laughs> <laughs> so then when it comes to interest rates right now, they're at historic lows. Right. So how does a member know that it's beneficial for them to refinance? It really depends on what their goals are. So if a member has just say a 4% or 5% fixed, fixed rate, int- fixed interest rate, excuse me, and let's say they have a 30-year term and today's rates are 3.5%, the first thing we would do is say, okay, is your goal to cut the term, cut your interest rate, Are you looking at paying off additional debts? What is it you'd like to accomplish? So depending upon those goals, we would determine, help them determine what's most beneficial for them, give them their options so they can make the most informed decision. So let's say that they had a rate of 5%. They wanted to uh, decrease the term to say a 15-year, and they have 25 years left on their current mortgage. Well, even if the interest rate was the same, they'd still be cutting 10 years off. So the gain there is pretty easy to calculate. It's 10 years or 120 payments times their current mortgage payment. So maybe the rate doesn't necessarily have to go down, but you look at the overall savings over the term of the loan. Conversely, if they're in a 30-year term, say they just got the loan a year ago and they have a year left, and their interest rate is 4% and they can go to 3%, for another 30-year term. And with that payment, the savings would be $100 a month. Now, of course, I'm making this up because I don't know. (laughs) And we say, okay, well, that's my savings every month, but what's it going to cost me to refinance? Because I'm going to have another settlement. And we say, as an example, well, your settlement costs are going to be $3,000. So you take the cost of obtaining that new loan at the lower interest rate versus the savings every month. So $3,000 divided by 100 would be 30 months. So your break-even point on that loan would be two and a half years from now. That's when you would have recouped the $3,000 in the savings in your monthly mortgage payment. Every month thereafter, that $100 savings goes into your pocket. So if you planned on leaving in two years, you'd never recoup that money, would you? Right. If you plan on staying there longer, then you would reap the benefits of refinancing. So that's another way you can figure out if there's a benefit to you. So when does someone typically rope in a mortgage lender? Because it sounds like that should be the first person you talk to. That way you have that person to discuss what the options should be before you go out and invest so much time in even looking for a home. Well, there's two different avenues here. If you're going to refinance and you're trying to figure out who you want to go with, obviously the Internet's a great place to start just to see who has the best interest rates and more importantly, the best annual percentage rate. Uh, To give you an example, when you're doing shopping just based on rate, which isn't the only thing you should do, but when you're doing that, uh, and this just happened yesterday, I had a member call me and our rate was uh, three and and five eighths percent for a 90% loan to value purchase loan. So purchasing a new home, 30 year term. Our APR, the rate was 3.625, the APR was 3.667, I believe. It's pretty close to that. So the difference there is minimal, which tells the member there's not a whole lot of fees there to obtain this loan through Dell One. They had gotten two other quotes from another lender. One was at a rate of 3.5%, and, 
but the APR was 3.7 something. And then they got a quote of three and three eighths, which is 3.375. Excuse me, I apologize. The three and a half percent interest rate had an APR of over 3.9. The three and three eighths interest rate had an APR of over 3.7. So even though the late the rates were lower, the fees they were paying caused the effective costs or the true cost of credit to be much higher than the rate on right. the terms they obtained from Dell One. Just a quick question. Are uh-huh. these fees um, being added to the loan or, or are these uh, members paying them out of pocket? It depends. When they're refinancing, if they have enough <clears throat> excuse me, equity, they can include those settlement costs in their loan, which a lot of members choose to do. But if they have the wherewithal to pay them out of pocket, it is a much wiser decision. Let's think about that. So if you owe $100,000 on your loan and the cost to go to settlement was $3,000, if you finance that, your loan balance now just went to one hundred and $103,000, and you're now paying interest for the next umpteen years on, that. on the settlement costs. So if you're able to pay them out of pocket, it's obviously much better. When you're purchasing a home, you don't have any equity because you don't own the asset yet. So you can't borrow against it. You'd have to pay them out of pocket. Got it. All right, quick break to talk about some credit union news. All right, guys, our new ATM at DE Turf is now live. Tell your family and friends to look at the new ATM outside the main concession stand. Sorry, I got too excited. It is easy to spot since it's painted with our bright Dell One colors. Kind of looks like baby blue, honestly. Is there? Is it just baby blue? Actually, eggshell. It's eggshell. I'm, I'm kidding. I made that oh. up. I don't, I don't. It's not eggshell. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. It looks like you. Um, this ATM, you can lift. You lift it. Lift the screen. I guess this is to prevent it from getting wet outside. Right? That's pretty neat. Okay. Okay, that's all I have for today. Next is her issue. So the time is finally here. Dell One Federal Credit Union's Middletown branch is now open. And to celebrate, we have an awesome opportunity for you. So during the month of July, you can qualify to receive $250 as our welcome gift to you. So to qualify... (laughs) So (laughs) qualify... You would have to open up a new Better Life checking account during your visit to our Middletown branch. So this is a limited time offer. It's only available at the Middletown location. So conditions and restrictions do apply. Visit our website for more information. This is great. Actually, I heard about the, um, well, I didn't just hear. I also saw pictures of the Middletown branch. It's really cool. It's like a cafe. There's um, different tape. There's like tables that people can sit at. Um, and it's just a more comfortable environment than your typical, um, you know, banking environment. Um, I'm really, I'm really interested in going to see it in action. So you haven't seen it yet? Not in action, no. I've only seen the pictures. Um, I would love to visit it sometime. Hit it, Jordan. <laughs> Wrong one. I went in blind. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's jump right back into the conversation. So for those members that uh, bought homes just before the bubble burst and right now they have very little equity in their home, 
teams. Does Dell One offer any products that would work for them? We do. We actually have a 100% financing program, which we developed a few years ago. And actually with a few folks in mind, but primarily the ones who uh, lived through the bubble, if you will, and maybe bought homes uh, at their peak, you know, at, when values were overinflated, inflated at best, but usually overinflated. Um, and today may not have any equity or very little because they had what the media termed toxic loans. So they may have had an interest only loan where for all this time, all they've been paying on is the interest and nothing on the principal. So when you combine an example like that with someone whose housing value may have gone from 400 to 300, they had no equity for a long time, but maybe values have, have come back to a point where what they owe is equal to what the prop property's worth, or maybe they have a little bit of equity. That program would work for them. So it gets them out of that toxic loan and into what we call a fully amortizing loan. So what they have in that example is an interest only where they're not paying down the, pr the principal balance. But if we can put them in a fully amortizing loan, then from payment number one, they're automatically paying down that outstanding balance. So it puts them in a much better place. So that is the one product we developed specifically for folks in that situation. That's yep. awesome. Um, I do want to change the subject a little bit, not really, but so I recently um, have been in the process of uh, buying a home. Actually, I have some good news. I'm, I was approved to close. So Congratulations. It's going to be very close uh, for me signing those papers. Um, so what I noticed is that the the housing inventory remains very low um, and so it's a seller's market um, houses were going very quickly it was hard to find um, the house that I wanted you know what I mean wanted in the price range that I wanted it and if I did it was gone within a couple weeks um, my question is if a member uh, what is my question sorry if a member is in the market for a new home, what can they do to get prepared before making an offer? Well, first of all, you are correct. At least in our area, the inventory is extremely tight, uh, especially for folks in the first-time home buyer price range. Um, historically, that segment of the purchase population has been about a third of the population buying homes. Um, here in the last year, it was closer to 42%. The challenge that first-time homebuyers are finding here in Delaware is that the inventory is so small because people aren't moving up or they aren't downsizing in some cases because they obtained interest rates some years back that are at 2 and 3%. So it doesn't make any sense for them to necessarily move up or move down and incur a higher interest rate. So in a lot of cases, people are staying put and doing it, adding on to the home or just remodeling, et cetera, and deciding not to move. As a result, that's dragging down the available inventory. And typically those homes are in the first time home buyer price range. So when folks like yourself are out there looking for their first new home, and I've seen this happen time and time again, the first thing they do before they go out to look is they get pre-approved by a lender. 
Now, pre-qualified but pre-approved. There's a difference. Pre-qualified means you give me a call and you say, okay, Todd, my income is this, my assets are this. Yes, you may pull my credit. We pull the, I pull the credit, everything's great, and I go off of what you tell me, not that you'd lie to me, Sarah. <laughs> and I say, okay, you're pre, I write a letter, you're pre-qualified to buy a home up to X amount, et cetera, et cetera, and I sign it. Well, to a, a seller, that's not worth a whole lot because I didn't verify anything other than your credit. So I'm taking your word for your income, et cetera, taking your word for your assets. A pre-qualified, a pre-approval says, in that case, I would say, okay, Sarah, I want you to send me your 30 days most recent pay stubs, your last two years W-2s. I may need to see your tax returns. I want to see your asset statements to verify the funds available towards the purchase of the new home. Plus, I pull your credit, and I put your loan through either uh, Fannie Mae's system called Desktop Underwriter or Freddie Mac's system called LP, Loan Prospector. And I get an approval based upon the information I validated plus your credit. Now you are pre-approved because I've done just that, validated everything. And the seller will, will take that over a pre-qualification any day. So that's what you're up against then when you're out in the market shopping and you're going up against other buyers that have a pre-qualification as opposed to a pre-approval. Correct. And even though that's the best place for a buyer, any buyer, first-time home buyer, move-up buyer, what have you, to start, uh, if they're in that first-time home buyer price range, what's happening is buyers are going out there, they see this house, it's finally the one they want after looking for six months, and five offers come in on it in one night, and everyone outbids the next one, and it goes the very night it's listed. A friend of mine who's a loan officer at another institution had three first-time home buyers pre-approved. They all bid on the same home, and not one of them got it. That's and that was just about six. That's nuts. <laughs> that was nuts. That was that was the middle of last year, so it was a little while ago. But that's how tight the inventory was then. It's still tight today, not as tight, but that can be what happens. I was at um, looking at one house. Sorry, Asia. I was looking at one house, and um, we had to leave early because there was somebody else coming <laughs> to look at the house. I was like, I only got 30 minutes. And I, I usually like to stay a while because if you're making a decision to buy a house, like it's a pretty big decision. And so I like to stay a little bit, and um, I only had 30 minutes, and, and the, the next viewing was there, and I, was, and, uh, I felt intimidated. Get out of my house. <laughs> yeah, I like this house. Why are you coming here too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um it, it was it, it, I felt really lucky with the house that we bought um and um and I also felt really lucky uh, cuz when I got hold on you said it was pre-approved is the one that's um just a the pre-qualification is where nothing's verified. Okay, so I got a pre-qualification, but the thing was is that I had everything ready. Before I even went to that appointment, <laughs> I had all my statements, I had all my tax returns, everything. And, um, and I think that's probably why when they gave the settlement date, we're going to be able, we di it didn't have to be pushed forward. Like we are going, we're supposed to be settling on that exact date. And um, I think with being prepared, um, that made it possible. It's, it certainly does help. 
when you want to move forward with a loan, a mortgage, um, you want to be able to cooperate with the lender and give them everything they need as soon as possible. By delaying that, your loan does not move forward. So if they need to validate income, assets, et cetera, you want to give it to them right away so that if anything pops up, you can get it cleared right away. The longer the borrower waits to turn in that information, the more possible a delay is in that process. So do we have actually any mortgage products designed for first-time homebuyers? We do. Uh, we actually have the Dell One first-time homebuyer program. And the, one of the best things about that program, if you remember earlier in the conversation, we discussed PMI or private mortgage insurance. Our first-time homebuyer program allows first-time homebuyers to get a 95% loan-to-value mortgage, meaning they only need 5% down without being burdened with private mortgage insurance. So as opposed to FHA, where mortgage insurance never goes away, for a regular conventional mortgage where you'd have PMI till at least the point where your, your outstanding uh, principal balance was 78% of the purchase price, you don't have it from day one. It also allows all those settlement costs that we referred to earlier to be paid with a gift from an immediate relative, or if they negotiate their sales contract as such, the seller can pay all those closing costs for them. So they get all of that and no PMI. It's a beautiful program. That, that sounds great. Yeah. It's just like our 100% program that we talked about earlier. That also doesn't require a PMI. And the members can have their settlement costs paid the same way for that as well if it's a purchase. And that product at 100% is not only for first-time home buyers; It's for move-up buyers. This is where Jordan would put the clapping noise. <laughs> Yay! Oh, well, you, oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Experience. Awesome. So, um, so Todd, how do members contact uh, Del One Mortgage Department to discuss their mor- mortgage financing options? They could call our contact, excuse me, our call center at 302-739-4496, or they could call directly to the mortgage department at 302-608-0104. Or if they want to email us, it's mortgageinfo at dell-one.org. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Todd. Um, is there any closing remarks you would like to make? Well, I'd like to thank you both for having me on the very first Dell One podcast. There we go. <laughs> and uh, if you'd ever like to have me back, I'd be more than welcome to attend. Thank, thank you. you.